Welcome to the NDT Scouting Weekly Podcast, 365 Drafts. Here is your host, Kyle Krabs. Welcome, everybody, to the first ever 365 Draft Podcast, where we talk all draft all year. I'm really excited to have the opportunity to do this. This is something that uh, I've been considering getting into for quite a while now, so finally getting the chance to, to delve into this area of the, the draft community is something that I'm really excited for. Uh, before I get too deep into 365 draft and everything that I'm planning on doing here, I, I do want to give a shout out to my friend Tony Usawa on SoundCloud uh, for the, the excellent track that we're going to be using, uh, smooth R&B tones to, to set the mood for you guys. Uh, you can find Tony on SoundCloud at Tony-Usawa, U-W-A-S-A. Uh, if you're a fan of uh, R&B beats and uh, instrumentals, Tony has a lot of excellent stuff on SoundCloud that you guys should consider checking out. With that said, uh, 365 Draft is something that uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing how it's received by all of you and uh, the, the evolution of it will evolve as I get feedback from you. Uh, we hear about what you guys want to talk about, what you want to hear about me and my process. And pretty much the goal is just to, to really pull back the curtain and be as transparent uh, all year round about how I go about identifying players, uh, what my life is like behind the scenes at NDT Scouting, obviously player evaluation itself. Uh, there's a whole lot that, that we can go direction-wise here. So uh, this will be a nice way to start things off. We're going to just recap the 2015 NFL Draft. Uh, what I've done is I've taken every selection by every team, and I've compared their actual draft position to their draft value on the NDT Scouting 2015 Draft Board. Uh, so we're looking at plus or minus deviations away from where NDT Scouting had them ranked. I can't really sit here definitively and say so-and-so won the draft, so-and-so lost the draft. Uh, it's way too early to get into that. But what I can do is I can compare how I evaluate and how I value players against how the teams did it. So that's the goal today is just to look at all 32 classes and, and I, I've cumulatively added up the plus or minus values of the drafts and you know, ranked them from best values according to my board down to worst values according to my board. So that's what we're going to do today is we're going to work our way through this. Um, going forward, you know, if you guys listen to this and you, you hit the tail end, you have any questions, you have anything that you want to hear specifically, um, email me, tweet me. You, know, follow, you can follow me on Twitter at NDT Scouting. Uh, you can find me over at Draft Breakdown. Um, senior draft analyst there, which is new, and we have some exciting things in the works there as well, so be sure to visit draftbreakdown.com. Um, so without any further ado, uh, I'm going to throw out four or five teams at a time, and we're just going to work our way up from the bottom. So we'll start with the team that got the worst value in comparison to the NDT scouting draft board, and work our way all the way up through the top. Uh, couple The couple notes... Uh, the the bottom twenty team or bottom twelve teams or so, so twenty down, 
a couple interesting teams in here, uh, a lot of successful teams in here. And I think that's something that really speaks to how these teams value players uh, with system fit, with, with particular filters that they're looking for. So I am in no way, shape, or form saying that these are bad drafts. I'm strictly saying that these are drafts that did not acquire value in according to how I evaluate players. So as long as you have some semblance of trust in me and how I evaluate, then there may be some value here for you. So we're going to start at the bottom. I'll, I'll rip off the, the bottom four teams and just give some notes, and we'll go from there. Uh, 32nd, Kansas City Chiefs. 31st, San Diego Chargers. 30th, Washington Redskins. 29th, Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Kansas City. They had nine overall selections, and they had four in the top 100. But only one of their selections, which was their first-round selection in Marcus Peters, was a player that NDT Scouting had in their top 100. Uh, only two of their nine picks were in, in the NDT Scouting draft board's top 250 players. So nine picks, four in the top 100. But when you're going off of the NDT Scouting ranks, only two in the top 250, obviously there's some, some room to be desired here um, when I'm looking at their class versus how I approach my evaluation process. The San Diego Chargers, again, only one top 100 player. Uh, running back Melvin Gordon, who they moved up to go get. I had him 50th overall. He was my third running back behind Todd Gurley, who went 10th, and Jay Ajayi, who had some uh, longevity concerns with his knee that really caused a, a bit of a plummet, but we'll get into him a little bit later down the line. Uh, for the Chargers... They only had five draft picks, and two of the five that they selected were not evaluated and were not included on the NDT scouting board. Uh, so for a disclaimer, if, if the NDT scouting board did not include a player, every player that was drafted that was not included in my top 300 was given a value of 301. So those players were all valued equally, but they weren't on the board, so they ranked behind the 300 that I had on my board. So when we get into some specific values of, of plus or minus trait or value selections and, you know, some of these guys that I didn't evaluate, you know, will be registered as pretty large reaches because they weren't on my radar. Number 30 was the Washington Redskins. Uh, I thought they did a really nice job uh, with the selection of Scherf. It was a safe pick, but simultaneously... Uh, this is a plug-and-play guy. I had him inside my top 10 overall. He was ninth. I, I think he's a guard at the next level. I would certainly let him be great on the interior as compared to playing him at offensive tackle. But only one other selection from the Redskins draft class uh, scored closer than 60 draft slots from their position on the NDT scouting board. Uh, that was Preston Smith, the defensive lineman slash a uh, potential edge defender there with, with their defense, uh, and he was selected 38 slots earlier than his position on the NDT scouting board. Uh, I thought Matt Jones was a, a fun player to watch, the running back from Florida, uh, but he went much, much earlier than he was slotted on the NDT board, uh, 154 picks earlier than where he was ranked, to be specific. And then the Dallas Cowboys, which I'm sure... Surprises a lot of people. Uh, the, the big disclaimer here is this does not include 
the Lyle Collins undrafted free agent signing. I'm strictly looking at draft selections here. So, so that is in part why uh, Dallas ranks as low as they do. The other note here is all draft picks I have scored equally. So whether you're getting a first-round talent in the first or fourth, uh, I'm not weighing first-round picks and saying, oh, because this is an early draft selection, you get more credit for getting talent here. Uh, it's strictly a plus or minus on a pick-by-pick -pick basis. So while I thought Dallas did a very strong job at the beginning of their draft, they came home with two of my top 32 overall players. Byron Jones and Randy Gregory were 32nd and 31st respectively, and Dallas was able to get them both inside the top 60 without having to make any deals. But when you look at the rest of their class, uh, they had six final picks, five of which weren't even on my radar. Uh, were not included in the NDT scouting top 300. Uh, Chaz Green uh, went in the third round. He was one of those. Uh, I saw three or four games from Green and thought he was a fringe draftable prospect. I elected not to include him in my final 300, and he went in the top 100. So uh, that one really stands out. That one scored as the fifth highest individual reach in the entire class. Uh, so... I was really disappointed with their follow-up depth, but then when you bring in Lyle Collins and undrafted free agency, when you look at the grand scheme of things, Dallas got three, likely three, very high contributors, uh, high-volume contributors on a snap basis for their draft. But I'm, I'm trying to look full picture, and the value that they found at the back half or the back two-thirds of the draft left something to be desired, in my opinion. Uh, next couple teams, Oakland Raiders 28th, Seattle Seahawks 27th, St. Louis Rams 26th, New York Giants 25th. Uh, the Raiders, I was fairly impressed with the Raiders draft as a whole, but they had three picks that stood out to me as disappointing values. Uh, Mario Edwards Jr., uh, the guard John Feliciano from Miami, and the Florida defender Neron Ball, um, those three really stood out as poor values for me. Uh, I know Mario Edwards got some steam as a potential first-round pick, uh, but to be honest with you, I really did not see that on the film. I know his 2013 film was a lot more impressive, but just the ups and downs with the weight and everything, it, it was a little concerning for me. Uh, Feliciano was very underwhelming when I watched him. Uh, got a chance to see a lot of him watching Duke Johnson and Philip Dorsett and Clive Walford, you know, there's a lot of exposure to him in the offensive line there. Eric Flowers as well. Uh, did not see a quality NFL offensive lineman there, so I was surprised he went when he did. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks at 27, they actually finished dead last last year in comparison to the NDT scouting board, uh, so they're making some headway here. I know Seattle's very plugged into the Spark athletic, athletic metrics and you know, they have some filters for who they like uh, by certain positions. And I actually thought a couple of their selections in the mid-rounds, um, Terry Poole, the offensive lineman from San Diego State, and Towson corner Ty Smith, those fit their um, demographic, if you will, for, for what they look for in those players. And I was a very big fan of both of those players. So I thought they got a couple nice mid-round picks. 
not having a first-round pick obviously hurts. Uh, Jimmy Graham will certainly help soften that blow, but on a strictly speaking draft basis, uh, it did not help their value here. Uh, and then Frank Clark, with you know the past 12 months of the NFL with domestic violence and off-the-field issues, Clark was somebody that I thought would have been a mid-round value prospect if he was clean off the field. But with his issues off the field, I elected not to include him in my top 300. So, uh, realistically speaking, uh, I was really surprised to see Clark go that early. Um, but we'll see how it works out for them. Seattle's got uh, a very deep rotation of pass rushers. They're going to be cycling some of those guys in and out. So, uh, I'm sure Clark will have some opportunities to... Uh, prove his worth and, and prove his value there with Seattle taking a chance on him. Uh, the St. Louis Rams, 26. I thought their first and last two picks were their best values. Uh, Gurley was rated 13th overall on my board, going 10. Uh, was good value, or adequate value, I should say, uh, right in the range where he should have gone. I was surprised it happened to be the Rams. But when you look at the direction of the team's draft uh, with the offensive line and the addition of Gurley, it's obvious what direction the Rams want to go as a franchise. Uh, I did think that their value in the mid-rounds with quarterback Sean Mannion, offensive lineman uh, Andrew Donnell, and wide receiver Bud Sasser uh, were particularly poor selections in terms of the value against the NDT scouting board. I saw a lot of other talent that was available at all of those positions that would have made uh, a, a better opportunity to have some both immediate impact and greater long-term upside. But, you know, I'm sure there's some system considerations in play here that, that chose those players to fit in with the Rams. But just against my evaluation of those players, uh, the value was not great there. Uh, the New York Giants were 25th. I, I easily thought their best pick was Oamagbe Odigizua the defensive lineman from UCLA. Uh, kind of like a potential Justin Tuck role I could see for him very realistically. Uh, kicking inside on third and long and you know letting him use some of his power to, to get after interior offensive linemen with pass rushes. I, I was a little disappointed with their value with the first two picks that they had. Uh, Flowers I had 44th on my board, so going in the top 10. Uh, a little bit underwhelming. And then with Landon Collins then moving up to the first pick of the second round, uh, them moving up for him especially hurt, in my opinion. I can understand if you're evaluating him strictly as a box safety, uh, his value would be a little bit fuller than what I evaluated him as, as just a general safety that, that you're looking to play either role. So uh, I didn't hate the pick of Collins, I think he will be successful there, but ultimately um, he did not score out particularly well on my board because I was looking from a pure safety role and then moving up also hurt because you're giving up more than just a draft selection. You're investing more capital in that pick. Uh, the next four. 24 was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 23 was the Arizona Cardinals. 22 was the New England Patriots, and 21 was the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Tampa Bay with the first pick. Uh, obviously, you know, you have your pick of the litter here. So I thought 
that Winston was an adequate selection uh, when you're looking at the value. Uh, he was not my first overall player, but you know he's he's a fit. I had him inside my top five. And when you're picking first overall, you're not going to get good value. You're either going to get adequate value, make the selection that you should, or you're going to screw it up. And I thought Tampa Bay did a nice job just identifying the player that they feel like is going to take their offense and their franchise to the next level, and they committed to him, and I thought the commitment with Winston was a good one. Uh, with that said, some of their day two investments to help protect Winston, uh, both offensive linemen that they selected, Donovan Smith from Penn State and Ali Marpet from Hobart, uh, each went about a round and a half to two rounds earlier than I personally valued those players. Uh, I'll be interested to see where Smith ends up getting his looks. If he's at left tackle, he really needs to clean up some of his angles and his footwork. And Marpet, obviously, with the big jump in competition coming from Division III, um, I like both players. I don't like both players at the beginning and end of round two. Uh, so it's a little rich for me, but if those are your guys, hey, go up and get them and prove me wrong. Uh, 23 was the Arizona Cardinals. I thought their, their plus values, picks that they had that they got later than where they were ranked on the NDT scouting board, was offensive tackle DJ Humphreys in the first round and then West Virginia pass rusher Shaq Riddick. Uh, I, I really like both of those picks for them. I think Riddick will fit in well with the Cardinals' 3-4 pressure defense, and Humphreys has a ton of upside, so I can't bring any negative input to that pick whatsoever. Uh, running back David Johnson from Northern Iowa uh, went four spots earlier on the draft than his position on the NDT scouting board, so I think that's adequate value. That's right around where he should have gone. But when you're looking at a couple of their other picks, notably the Golden, Gunter, and Nelson picks, those really loomed as reaches for me uh, and poor value picks, uh, especially Marcus Golden. Um, Golden, I think, is another one of these Missouri guys that really thrives on the system. Uh, he, the, their entire defensive approach is predicated on penetration and disruption in the backfield. But when you look at his athletic profile, his, his build, uh, his tool set that he works with on film, I don't think it lines up with some of the production that he had. So I'm not sure if he's somebody that's going to be as good of a pro as he was as a college player, but that remains to be seen. Uh, 22nd was the New England Patriots. Uh, the Jordan Richards selection really stands out here as one that I was shocked to see. Uh, Richards was another one of those players that I thought was a fringe draftable player. Um, but again, there's just like with a, when we mentioned the St. Louis Rams considerations in the mid rounds, uh, I'm sure there was a large amount of system consideration here, uh, which led the Patriots to commit to such an early draft selection for Jordan Richards. Uh, but when you look at the Patriots in the middle rounds, you know, this is where some teams make their money and the Patriots did it again this year. Uh, they had a trio of picks of flowers, Trey Jackson and Shaq Mason between picks 101 and 131. And the value of those three picks may have been the best run of three consecutive picks from any team in the entire draft. Uh, really strong trio there. I would expect all three flowers a, 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 as a base, strong side defensive end. Uh, Trey Jackson potentially starting on the interior 
at guard next to Brian Stork, who he worked with at, at Florida State last year, or I'm sorry, the year before, and then Shaq Mason, who is a little bit more of a project, but has really nice upside and is very strong run blocker. Um, that's a really nice trio for the Patriots. Uh, 21st was the Saints. Uh, I liked a couple of their picks as good value picks. Stephon Anthony at the back end of the first round. Uh, I really like his fit in that defense. Three-down linebacker can, can work against the pass, uh, match up against some tight ends. And then Garrett Grayson, the quarterback, I actually had scored as an early second-round pick. Um, you can see some of the parallels physically with the, the tools, uh, with Drew Brees. Obviously, Brees is much, much, much more advanced as a player. Um, but this is a really nice opportunity for Grayson to sit and – he, he wins in some of the similar ways that Drew Brees did when Drew Brees first came into San Diego uh, before he developed into the, the bona fide franchise quarterback that he is now. Uh, I, I'm not crazy about the Pete selection at 13. That's, that's a little rich for me. I had Pete rated 40th on my board. Uh, Pete, for me, just puts himself into more trouble than he needed to, uh, stops his feet, puts his head down on contact, and it, it really showcased his recovery ability but at the same time, keeping your technique cleaner would prevent you from needing to engage that recovery ability. So I'll be interested to see how Pete transitions into the next level. Uh, I, I certainly think the skill set is there for him to be a very, very successful player, but I didn't like the value inside the top 15. Uh, next four teams, we're closing in on halfway point here. 20th was the Philadelphia Eagles, 19th Green Bay Packers, uh, 18th Pittsburgh Steelers, and 17th Baltimore Ravens. Uh, this is a, a pretty impressive, foursome group of franchises here. Uh, a lot of success between these teams, but I found by and large there were some pluses and some minuses to their classes. The Philadelphia Eagles are a nice example. They brought home two of my top 20 overall players. Uh, Nelson Aguilera had rated 16th. And Eric Rowe, I had rated 14th, and the Eagles traded up to 47 to get him with the Dolphins trading down. I think Rowe could fit at either safety or corner and be successful there. Uh, I know they've brought in some, some fresh faces in the defensive backfield, but uh, whether Rowe is asked to play as a safety, free safety, or if he's asked to play physical as a press corner, uh, he should be able to succeed in either one of those ro roles. I really like his athleticism and build and length. And his 2014 tape at corner was very impressive. And then there's Nelson Aguilar, who I think is tailor-made for that uh, Chip Kelly-level offense where uh, you're, you're moving guys around, you let them work in the slot, you're trying to identify mismatches and quick reads, and you know, the offense is predicated on vertical passing and run after the catch ability. Uh, I think Aguilar is an excellent fit with that. Uh, the Jordan Hicks selection for me is one that stands out. It was one of the top 12 biggest reaches in the entire class when you're comparing their actual draft position against the NDT scouting board. I thought Hicks was uh, uninstinctive, uh, took some poor angles, uh, did not tackle consistently, had some durability issues. Uh, he's a very, very strong athlete, so I think this is certainly an upside pick for the Eagles. But if I was looking for a three-down linebacker, nickel linebacker, athlete, I would have gone a number of different directions before I would have committed to Jordan Hicks as early as the Eagles did. 19 was the Green Bay Packers. 
Uh, I didn't hate the Demarius Randall selection at 30. I actually had him 45th on my board. Uh, he was my top safety. So if Green Bay is going to decide to go that way, if they're bending their board towards need, you can justify that pick fairly easily. And the, the difference between the ranking and the actual selection was not egregious by any way, shape, or form. I also like the selection of Hunley on day three. Uh, Hunley was a player that I was especially high on compared to a lot of other people. I think he has a skill set that can develop into a franchise quarterback, and this is an excellent opportunity for him as well to sit and learn and really process the NFL game and clean up some of his lapses in technique and everything along those lines. Pittsburgh Steelers at 18. I think they got tremendous value with Bud Dupree at 22. He was my second overall player. Uh, this is a very special package of athleticism, explosiveness, size. Uh, was not completely put together at Kentucky, but I think when you ask him to do things consistently instead of playing zone coverage and jamming slot receivers out in the slot and, and you get him consistently rushing the passer and you let him work out in space and use his explosiveness uh, to get advantageous angles and really close down, I think Dupree will be a star with Pittsburgh. The surprising selection for me out of their crop was the defensive back Sean Quez Golston out of Old Miss. Uh, that value did not line up at all with my board. I had him rated 217th, and he went 56th overall. Now, when you have that steep of a change, sort of like with Jordan Richards and the Patriots, you figure this team has a very specific plan on how to utilize this player. What that is with Golston, I'm not sure. I'll be interested to see if they try him at safety uh, Troy Palomalo is no longer there. Uh, I would not feel especially comfortable with Golston's lack of length and size at corner on the boundary. So that's something that I'm going to be really interested to see flesh itself out as we get into the 2015 season. Uh, Baltimore Ravens were 17th. They had a couple really nice mid-round picks. Uh, Carl Davis and Buck Allen from USC were each got uh, selected by the Ravens at least 60 slots after their positioning on the NDT board. So that's tremendous value. Um, th that's where a lot of teams you know, can make a lot of headway, and that's where Baltimore has made its hay pretty frequently over the last couple of years. So uh, it was nice to see them continue that trend of, of maximizing the value of some of their non-early draft picks to really help flesh out their roster. Uh, another quick note. I can understand why Brashad Perryman was selected in the first round, a high upside player, uh, but the hands really concern me, and I think he's a little bit more raw than he's given credit for uh, as a route runner, so I would not have committed to him that early, but I can understand the justification of making that selection early. And then Mac, Max Williams, I thought, thought, was an adequate value pick. I thought he went right around where he should have. Uh, the difference between his actual draft position at 55 and the NDT scouting position on the board was only 11 spots. I had him 66th. So that's fairly adequate value for that draft selection as well. Getting up into the top half, uh, San Francisco 16, Indianapolis Colts 15, Denver Broncos 14, Atlanta Falcons 13. Uh, San Francisco, day three saved their draft. Uh, they had two top 50 picks, and I thought they got terrible value with both of them. Uh, Jaquiski Tart from Samford 
the safety. I was surprised they elected to go this route, having Eric Reed there in the in the backfield, as well as selecting Jimmy Ward early on last year. I'm assuming Ward is going to be featured more prominently in the slot as a nickel defender, uh, but Tart still faces a very steep jumping competition. Uh, safeties, you, you never know how well that transition is going to go. And it's difficult from us on the outside to know how well he'll be able to handle complex coverages. Eric Armstead, meanwhile, uh, is a total project, in my opinion. The upside that he has is tremendous. He can be an absolute star. But the flashes were too few and far between, and the low points in his film were very low. Uh, a lot of just locking out blocks and just squatting down uh, Motor did not necessarily run hot on a consistent basis. Uh, not a player that I would have valued inside the top 20 whatsoever. Uh, when you look at the, some of the players that they did get that helped provide them value and put them in the middle tier here of, of this draft summary in comparison, comparing the NDT scouting board to actual draft position, I thought Eli Harold, uh, Mike Davis, and Rory Busta Anderson were all three plus picks for them, picks that got very strong value uh, which should provide a greater return on their investment than the capital that they gave up to acquire these players. I like Harold's fit in a 3-4, working out in space as a speed rusher. Uh, Davis is a very uh, versatile, well-rounded back. I think when you put him in that backfield along with uh, Carlos Hyde, you allow them to split some carries. Hopefully Davis is able to stay a little bit more healthy than he has at South Carolina in a featured role. And Anderson... Uh, it is pretty underrated from my perspective as far as a, a potential flex slot or an H-back, uh, a move piece kind of like what they, they used to do with Delaney Walker when Delaney Walker was there. So I thought all th three of those picks were very nice selections. Uh, Indianapolis Colts at 15. Uh, they only pulled one player that was from my top 100, and that was Philip Dorsett, who I had 67th overall on my board. Uh, I was really surprised to see him not just go in the first round, but go to the Colts, where they have players uh, of a similar mold, T.Y. Hilton there. I uh, was really surprised they didn't elect to go with an offensive tackle. But we'll see. We'll see how it plays itself out. I did think the Colts got two really strong system fits and, and good talent value on day three. Uh, Josh Robinson, the running back, uh, you, you put on his 14 tape and watch him just drag people around. Uh, fairly one-dimensional in that way. He, he's primarily a, a bell cow power back. Um, and, and the passing offense there in Indianapolis is, is well-established. Uh, this could potentially provide them with some value that Trent Richardson was supposed to provide uh, as a power runner. And then Armalo Herrera, the linebacker from Georgia, I think if you ask him to play in a two-down run-thumper role uh, where he's attacking blocks downhill, uh, spilling runs into the outside into contain, that's something that he can do very well. He did that very well at Georgia. So he's a guy that's not necessarily a three-down player. He's not going to be a star, but as a role player, somebody who does the dirty work and just blows up gaps, uh, Herrera can be very valuable in that 3-4 for the Colts. Uh, Denver at 14. Uh, I'm not particularly high on the race selection. I, I really didn't like them moving up to go get him. I think he's a little one-dimensional. Uh, he's more explosive than Golden, who I've already talked about how I feel about the Missouri system and scheme, 
but I, I'm not sure how well he's going to work in to Denver. They may have to move him around to try and get him some free runs and some free rushes. I'm not a huge fan of him bending the edge from an in tight uh, inside eye to outside eye of an offensive tackle trying to run the, the rush track around the outside. Uh, I did think that their picks in the middle rounds, notably Tyler Sambrello, uh, Jeff Hireman, and Lorenzo Doss all stood out as good value picks for them, uh, especially Hireman. Hireman, to me, is hands down the most pro-ready tight end from this class. And with them losing Julius Thomas to the Jacksonville Jaguars, Hireman can pass block, he can run block, and be effective at both. He can work in line. You can move him as a move piece in the backfield. You can flex him out in the slot, and he has the athleticism to get up over top on the second level. He can do a lot of things. And with everything else that the Denver Broncos have there with their passing offense, I would expect Hireman, if he's able to stay healthy, to be a very, very solid contributor very early on for the Broncos. The Falcons at four, uh, 13. I thought Vic Beasley was an adequate value selection. Uh, I did not have him as a top five player. I did not have him um, outside my top 20. He was right there. I believe he was 19th on my board. Uh, so anytime you're plus or minus 10 picks from the actual draft position to where he was rated on the board, it's, it's adequate value. It's right around where he should go, kind of like I had mentioned with Max Williams. So I thought that was an adequate draft selection. I think that he will be a strong fit there in that system. Uh, the pick that got me really excited for them was ECU wide receiver Justin Hardy. With the Falcons having Roddy White and Julio Jones on the perimeter, now you're getting a really strong route runner and Hardy to work the middle of the field as the slot. And I think that's outstanding value. He's going to be very valuable for them as a complementary piece. Uh, and them being able to pick him up when they did uh, made a lot of sense. I thought it was a good value selection. Getting up into the, the top 12 now. Uh, Carolina Panthers were 12th. Houston Texans 11th. Buffalo Bills 10th. Chicago Bears 9th. Uh, Houston Texans, or I'm sorry, Carolina Panthers 12th. If you take away the David Mayo selection, who was not somebody that was on my radar, uh, so outside of my top 300, uh, Panthers' average value per pick would have been close to zero, which means they were getting every player right where they were placed on the NDT scouting board on average. I thought Daryl Williams was their best value pick. Uh, he's somebody I was fairly high on. I'll be interested to see whether or not he's asked to play right tackle or right guard. I did read that he was listed as a guard on the rookie camp roster, but he has uh, some surprising recovery ability as a pass blocker. But where he makes his money and, and where he's really going to help a team is with his run blocking. Uh, if he's able to ro roll his hips into blocks, he's capable of generating some really nice movement at the point of attack. Uh, Houston at 11. I thought the Jalen Strong pick in the third round was just tremendous value. Uh, I think he's only going to get better, only two years as a Division One player. And then defensive tackle Christian Covington right there in their backyard from Rice. Uh, they got him real late in the draft, and I think he has the potential to be a very helpful rotational player for Houston along their defensive line. Um, fits in well, has good athleticism, can be a penetration um, three-man front rotational player. Uh, Bernard McKinney, 
only went eight picks earlier than his position on the NDT board. So again, we're within plus or minus 10 picks that's right around where he should have gone, so I thought that was adequate value as well. Uh, Buffalo Bills at 10. Uh, kind of a thin class. They gave up some, some picks to go up and get Sammy Watkins last year. Two picks that really stood out as nice values for them. I thought Desmond Lewis at the back end of the draft, the wide receiver, and John Miller, the guard from Louisville, were both strong value picks. Uh, John Miller in particular really fits what Buffalo wants to do with that smash-mouth power offensive line. A um, little heavy-footed, but you know you work him in tight areas, and he's, he's going to be fairly effective because there's not a lot of room to work with in there. And he's just really overpowering with his hands. He's very strong, um, very capable of driving people off and rooting people off at the line of scrimmage. So that was a fit system-wise and value-wise that I really liked. Chicago at 9. This board, this, this crop for the Bears probably was uh, the closest to mirroring the NDT scouting board pick by pick than any other draft in the class. Uh, only Jeremy Langford and Adrian Amos deviated more than plus or minus 20 slots from the NDT board from where they were actually picked in the real draft. Uh, so it, it was cool. I believe last year that honor went to the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, this year seeing it go to the Bears, uh, it, it's really cool to see which team ends up valuing players as, as closely as I do, the way with the draft actually works out and lines itself up. Uh, Kevin White, obviously excellent pick. Um, but I had him rated 7th on my board. He went 7th, so you're getting adequate value. It's not going to be a huge plus value in the grand scheme of things when you're looking at their draft class with how I'm evaluating it. Uh, Minnesota at 8. I thought they really made some strong headway with picks 2, 3, and 4. Uh, Eric Kendricks in the second round, tremendous value. Uh, Danelle Hunter, a uh, potential starter along the defensive line, and then TJ Clemmings, uh, which he had some first-round buzz. Apparently his foot injury was a little bit bigger deal than, than teams let out into the public. But provided that sorts itself out, you're, you're talking about when you also factor in Trey Waynes, who I had 35th on my board, but he went 11th overall, you're looking at four potential starters with your first four picks for the Vikings. Uh, that's a really strong return, potentially, for the Vikings. And what's impressive about their score being so high is that they had such a high volume of picks. So you know that they're really getting some strong value picks against the NDT board to have so many picks and be rated up so high. We have two more uh, groups of four to work through here. Uh, Detroit Lions were seventh. And Detroit was actually the highest NFC rated team in this evaluation process, looking back and comparing against the NDT board. Uh, Detroit was 7th, Cleveland was 6th, Cincinnati was 5, and the New York Jets were 5th. Detroit, uh, I wasn't crazy about their first two picks. I thought Tomlinson was a little bit of a reach. He is a plug-and-play player, should be a good starter. So you can't hate what their plan is to do with him. I thought that the value was a little bit poor, but if he's your guy, hey, pull the trigger. That's fine. Now you've got him and Larry Warford. you got two really strong interior offensive linemen to work with there. And then Amir Abdullah, for me, is a little bit more of the Darren Sproles role as compared to a feature back role. So 
I, I thought the, that it was questionable value to take somebody that early because I'm not comfortable with him as a featured back. Uh, obviously, his short area quickness, uh, ability to make people miss and, and outrun angles uh, in short areas is very, very strong, and I think he will be a very productive player in Detroit. But for me personally, where I value a player as a Sproles role is not quite second round. When you look past that, I thought the Alex Carter pick was an excellent, excellent selection. Uh, Carter's patience and trust in his technique at the line of scrimmage as a press defender was some of the most impressive defensive back work that I saw from any prospect this year. Uh, absolutely, positively trust his technique. He's extremely patient, uh, effective getting his hands on, stays square, does not bail off the line of scrimmage. So I was surprised that, that he went as low as he did. I think he's going to be a strong football player. I know he got some buzz when he first declared, but it's since died down. Uh, I really like that pick for them a lot. Cleveland at six. Uh, they got the steal of the draft with Ifo Ekpreolomu, provided he's able to return to uh, a healthy player. Uh, obviously, some teams have some serious, serious concerns about the knee. Uh, but when you're taking him that late in the draft, uh, what does it hurt to invest a late-round pick in somebody that can potentially either work and be featured at corner or at safety? Uh, I'm really hoping that he's able to return to form because he had some very strong tape in 2013, and while 2014 was not as strong, uh, the skill set is there to work with. But even beyond that, you look at guys like Duke Johnson, Xavier Cooper, Hayes Pollard, I really like all three of those fits in the Cleveland system. You know, Cooper can be uh, a five-tech and be an effective penetration player. Uh, Pollard, if you put him inside as the weak side linebacker on the inside between the tackles and try and minimize the traffic that you're letting him flow through and let him use his athleticism, he can be effective. And then Duke Johnson one of the most explosive dynamic backs out of this year's class. So uh, I really like some of the values that they were able to pull. And with Cleveland scoring in the top six, it's even more impressive when you consider that I was not the biggest Danny Shelton fan. So for them to invest early in Danny Shelton and still be in the top six really speaks to a lot of the value that they were able to find everywhere else throughout the draft. Cincinnati at five, uh, very strong draft in spite of in my opinion, reaching a little bit on Cedric Ogbuehi. Um I was surprised to see him go in the first round. I know some teams really like his skill set and you know potentially work him at right tackle. Um, but but with the knee issues, uh, we're assuming that he is he is going to be healthy fairly soon. Otherwise, I would not agree with that early of an investment. Uh, but I really like the fact that they doubled down. Uh, they took Jake Fisher in the second, and I think Fisher could play four spots along the offensive line. He worked both on the right and left side, and, and you know you're going to get at least one productive player out of that twosome very early on. So I really like that pick. Uh, if you take out the Abwehi selection, uh, that one really weighed down their class a little bit. Uh, they would have scored inside the top three if you take away the negative value for the Abwehi pick. Uh, so, by and large, Cincinnati did a very nice job of maximizing values against the NDT board as well. Uh, number four was the New York Jets. Uh, they had three-plus values in their first five picks. 
uh, which means that they were getting players later than they were listed on the NDT board three times in the first five picks. And only one of those five picks deviated more than uh, 11 points into the poor value range. Uh, so they did a really nice job. Four out of five were within at least 11 spots of where they were posted on the NDT board. Uh, that consistency is what established them up inside the top five. I thought they had a really nice draft. Uh, we're going to do these, these last few one by one. The Tennessee Titans uh, finished number three. Uh, they took my top player, Marcus Mariota, second overall. And they got a couple guys late that I really, really like. Uh, Andy Gallick, the interior offensive lineman from Boston College, uh, is not necessarily a high-end athlete, but he is an intelligent football player, uh, shows strong body positioning, body awareness, is able to climb onto the second level adequately to seal off and cut off blocks on the second level. Uh, I think he can be a starter for the Tennessee Titans on the inside. So I really like that pick. And then Trey McBride, a small school wide receiver. They got him late as well. I thought that he is an excellent value as well. And then you're combining the fact that Doro Green Beckham, you know, regardless of what you think about the the film resume that he has in the off the field work, uh, which I was a little bit lower on than a lot of people. I didn't think it was great value even taking him in the top 50, but the talent and the upside is obvious there. So you're combining that with Justin Hunter being there. Hopefully he can finally break out and Kendall Wright. Um, there's a lot of exciting potential for the Titans to overhaul their passing offense. Uh, so it will be interesting to see how this flushes itself out. Uh, the, the last two teams, top two teams, uh, were the only two that were able to average across their entire draft class positive values, uh, getting players better than their draft selection on the NDT board on average for every single pick. Uh, number two was the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins got five players from my top 75 in their draft class. Uh, Jay Ajayi, Devontae Parker, Jordan Phillips, Jameel Douglas, and Bobby McCain, all inside my top 15. And three of those five, they were able to get on day three. Uh, McCain, Douglas, and Ajayi, Excellent values on day three. A very impressive class when you consider that they lost their third round pick, which they traded to pick up Kenny Stills. So I know Ajayi has some concerns about the knee longevity that he has, but even if you're only looking at a one-year contract player, to get a player of this skill set who's able to contribute on all three downs in, in day three in the fifth round, uh, really nice awareness as a runner. Um, I think he will provide a really nice new dynamic to the Dolphins' offense. And number one, Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, just came out that, that Dante Fowler uh, tore his ACL, which I could not feel worse for him. Uh, just an awful, awful break for the Jaguars. Um, but the good news for the Jaguars is they took some best player available selections on day three that will really help soften this blow because they got a lot of other talent coming in in this draft class. Uh, safety James Sample, uh, defensive lineman Michael Bennett, uh, wide receiver Rashad Green, these are all players that really, really stand out uh, as players that, you know, low investments, but you could realistically get very solid returns from all three of these players very early on. I think Sample has an opportunity to start for the Jaguars, 
Uh, right, he's going to get his first looks at free safety. Uh, not ideal. He's not the ideal free safety, but he has talent to match up against some players in the middle of the field, uh, can work as a robber, uh, strong tackler. So there's some skills to work with there. Rashad Green is a slot receiver working the middle of the field. Uh, hopefully he can provide quarterback Blake Bortles with a reliable target. And then Michael Bennett, you know, they also brought in Jared Odrick. So now you're looking at a couple guys that really thrive on penetration and pressure in, in the middle of the offensive line. Uh, so there's some exciting talent that's going to be there for the Jaguars. And I thought they did a tremendous job in spite of me only being lukewarm on Fowler as a top 10 pick, uh, bringing in a lot of very, very strong talent uh, from start to finish. So that is a recap of 32 through 1, how the NFL team's draft class is stacked up in comparison to the NDT scouting board. Uh, if, you, if you took the time to listen all the way through, I'd like to thank you. I hope you found this enjoyable. I thought you uh, would enjoy the opportunity to get some specific feedback on specific players from the classes. Uh, as a reminder, these are coming every week down the chute. So this was our first one. Going forward, we're going to have some, some Q&A. If you guys want to hear something specific, uh, tweet me, email me. You can find me on Twitter. Uh, you can find me over at Draft Breakdown. I'd like to thank you guys for swinging by NDTScouting.com. I'd like to thank you guys for listening. Uh, and until next week, I hope you guys enjoy your weekend.